You're listening to Athleisure Kitchen, where you'll get the inside scoop with those in the culinary world from celebrity chefs, food personalities, restaurateurs, and more. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith of Athleisure Mag, so set an extra plate as we chat all things culinary. today's episode of Athleisure Kitchen, when it comes to celebrating a major moment or the fact that you just got through the day, sparkling wine and champagne is our go-to. There's something about opening the bottle and the act of pouring it for yourself or others. Just in time for the holiday season, we caught up with Jen Pelka, who knows a thing or two about this beverage. We chatted with her to find out how she found her way into food and her path to this bubbly beverage. She shares how she came about launching her much-talked-about The Riddler, which had locations in San Francisco and here in New York, as well as her latest venture, Unfem. We dig into how this wine empowers, collaborates with others, and gives back to charities that benefit women. She also gives us some tips on how we compare these wines with dishes and how we can purchase them when gifting it to others as a gift or a thank you for inviting us to dinner. Well, before we delve into Unfem Wines, when did you fall in love with food? And at what point did that journey take you to focusing on wines and champagne? Yeah, I have, um, I, I'm really lucky that I grew up in a family that really loved food and restaurants and entertaining. Um, my parents were big home cooks and also um, my dad's family is, is really in the restaurant business. So they had diners and delis his whole life growing up. Um, my grandfather was actually the chef of the Ocean County, New Jersey jail and would come home um, after work in his whites with, um, he would always have cream puffs um, or bananas, the two things that would go bad. And so those are always like fun traditions that we had as a family. Um, yep. We always had food around, always had entertaining around. And so um, when I went to college, one of the things I wanted to do when I graduated was to basically like start a restaurant. And my parents said, you're crazy, move to New York, get a real job. And um, that's what I did. But as soon as I was there, I started falling in love with restaurants and chefs. This was really at the beginning of chefs coming out into the dining room and being in their whites. And um, I was really lucky. I was at the bar of the restaurant Schiller's Mm. and uh, there was a chef who was down the bar um, on one of his nights off. And, um, so there's a chef down the bar out of his whites and uh, was reading this book called The Perfectionist, which was about a chef who had three Michelin stars and lost a star and committed suicide. And so we started talking about this book that he was reading. It turns out he was a chef at Restaurant Danielle on the Upper East Side. And I had heard that you could work as a stage, essentially as an intern. Mm-hmm. And I asked if I could come intern with him. And so from Schiller's to uh, the following weekend, I started staging and I ended up working at Danielle for every Saturday for a year and a half uh, where I had a job at a hedge fund. And I learned so much working in that kitchen. I worked on almost every position on the line with amazing chefs and eventually um, lobbied to become Danielle Boulou's uh, research assistant. And Mm. so that was sort of where it all really began. Um, So it's in my blood, um, in my family, but um, it really all got ignited uh, in probably 2004, 2005 at Restaurant Danielle. Wow. I mean, that is amazing. I I love a good ballooned restaurant. Um, That's fantastic. So then how did that turn to you focusing and getting into the wine industry? Um, I 
have always loved champagne and sparkling wines. Actually, Schiller's was the restaurant that we were regulars at, me and my friends when we were in our 20s. And we would always drink Prosecco there. We didn't understand the difference between Prosecco and champagne, but just knew that drinking something bubbly was always really fun and celebratory. Once I was at Danielle, I started learning more about traditional champagnes. And then I ended up um, taking on a job later at the Guilt Group, the shopping mm-hmm. site. Um, we launched a website called Guilt Taste, which was an online food and beverage, like mm-hmm. a gourmet site, essentially. Yep. And there we did a ton of sales with all of the uh, Moet Hennessy champagnes. So Fauve Clicquot, Dom Perignon, Krug, etc. And that's where I really started learning about champagne, by going to the Vauve Clicquot headquarters, doing tastings with them, learning in a about and understanding their wines and really understanding the champagne making process. Um, wow. And from there, I wouldn't say that I'm like a wine aficionado, but I am definitely a champagne lover. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to champagne and sparkling wines in particular, that's where I really focus and where I have a huge amount of passion. Mm, I, I, I just I love that. I love that you took something that you enjoyed and then just spread out into it and you're learning as you go along. But you've created a safe space for people to understand and get that you know information that they need to get, which I think is awesome. Well, I think that that was so much of the spirit of what we did at the Riddler. You know, I wanted to create a place, a destination, especially for women to get together, open a great bottle of wine, share stories, laugh, have a good time and drink really, really beautiful wines, but not to take the experience of the educational components too seriously. Like our team took the development of the wine list very seriously. We treated the wines with a tremendous amount of respect, but for a typical night out, I think you just want to pop a bottle and have a good time. And (laughs) it was our job to curate a really great list, guaranteeing that every guest was going to open something really special and have a really beautiful wine experience. But we were not the kind of a place that you were given a a long list of attributes or education about the wines unless you wanted it. Right. Um, And I think that any wine drinker can enjoy really beautiful, delicious wines without um, having to go into the really serious sides of things. I know with um, my friends and even with editor, not editors, but um, various PR people, they're like, oh, Kimmy, where do you want to go? And I'm like, oh, we should go to the Riddler. And you just felt sophisticated being there, knowing that you were like in this environment, yet you're not feeling intimidated and you can enjoy it. And it really it kind of was like my boyfriend loves a cigar bar. I liked the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> That was my situation. Um, And I love that you had also, you know, women made wines that were there. Like, what was the process like in terms of finding the great wines that you did feature there? Well, the reason why we had women made wines is that all of our investors in both locations were women. So Mm -hmm. 33 investors in San Francisco, 40 in New York, all women many first-time investors and some really big investors, some small, but that was always really important to me, getting together a great community of women in support of the bars. Um, And, you know, when you're looking at a champagne list with hundreds of champagnes by the bottle, it's pretty intimidating. So we tried to find ways into the menu for somebody who might be new to champagne or exploring a new style of champagne. And so for us, we thought it would be really cool to feature women made wines. And it turns out that those wines would always outsell every other style of wine on the list. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were always the most popular. You know, you get two girlfriends together out for a night and they're choosing 
between hundreds of wines, of course, they're going to pick a wine made by women. Um, And so how we found them was just by doing a huge amount of research, working with distributors, salespeople, um, you know, everybody who had access to champagne lists and champagne producers wines um, and just proactively asking for Mm. women made wines. And I see more and more restaurants retail shops, um, you know, websites, et cetera, having a big focus now on diversity, inclusion, and interesting Mm -hmm. voices, interesting producers. And we were, you know, happy to be a part of that, you know, five years ago. And it's exciting to see that continuing to build. I would agree with that. I've started to notice um, various places now that do highlight that. And I'm always like, but there was a place that actually that's where it started. It wasn't like something that happened a little bit later, but it, it's good to have inclusion no matter how it happens. But I did Absolutely. like that that was something that that was there. And it, it kind of made you excited to support someone that you didn't even know that person. But you're like, that woman got my dollar. I'm so happy about totally. that. Totally, so. totally, totally. I think, you know, I talked to so many women, especially mm-hmm. who just really have come to realize that one of the most significant ways that we can make change and bring about equity is by voting with our wallet. And I try whenever possible to buy sustainable products. I try to buy products that give back. And I try to learn about the founder of the companies that I'm buying products from. It, you know, it's not possible for every single thing that we buy for us to know the provenance, but you know, when you can get curious about it, it's great. And it doesn't even necessarily mean you're spending more. It just means that your dollars are going to support something that you believe in. I'm a big believer that when people understand the process and and who's behind certain things, that's where the connection comes in. Like you could leave whatever company, go to the next one. I know that if I hear your name, you have a focus that's in a very specific area that I want to support. And that's important to me. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't, you know, stalked the Riddler account for a long time and (laughs) to see it. And as the co-founder of Athleisure Mag, that's another belief that I have that we need to bring those voices forward so that people understand that there are women. Because someone told me the other day, oh, well, you know, are there a lot of women producers and why? And I was just like, yeah, they're there. We need to find more. But yes, they don't just not exist there. So when you created um, Infem Wines, you know, what was the thought behind that? And um, tell us about this brand. Absolutely. So it really started as our house wine at the Riddler. Uh, We were finding that women were buying so many of these women-made wines and guests would ask us, how can I know when I go into a retail store or when I'm looking at a wine list that wines are made by women? And I was like, why is there not a brand for this? And so I launched Unfem as an opportunity to highlight women winemakers whose wine style we already love Mm -hmm. and to put them all under one brand. Um, mm. The first wine that we launched was a really beautiful organic grower producer champagne from a fifth generation wine producer called Gonet Medvi, a husband and wife team. And we absolutely love their style of wine. Um, really beautiful, really elegant, really um, luxurious wines. And they were always wines that when we would open them for friends, people would be so surprised and delighted. They may have not heard of the producer, but like the wines speak for themselves. So that was the first partnership that we launched. Um, And then in the months following, we kept looking at our sales at the Riddler. And we always found that the top selling wine was whatever was the most affordable sparkling rosé by the glass. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find a sparkling rosé from California made by a woman winemaker that I was in love with. And 
So I reached out to a friend of mine who's a great sparkling wine producer, Samantha Sheehan. She makes Poe and Ultraviolet and Mom and Pop Vermouths. And I was like, Sam, let's make a rosé together. And so she's like, yeah, let's do it. So the next wine that we launched is called the Cali. All I just got that. So, oh, so excited. Good. I will be enjoying it this weekend. It's been a very busy two weeks, but I said, oh, me and the Cali. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. So that wine is a delicious, dry, sparkling rosé, predominantly Pinot Noir, a little bit of Chardonnay. And um, it's really meant to be an approachable, crowd-pleasing, delicious, high-quality sparkling rosé representative of California winemaking. Um, And that is the wine that really took off for us. Um, We have since launched a sparkling white wine called the Betty for Betty White. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that wine. That's a very dry, very, um, very, very elegant, very nuanced sparkling white wine, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir as well. And um, I think it is pretty close to rivaling champagne. You can never really truly right. rival champagne, but I think for the price point, it really punches above its weight. And um, I'm so proud of that wine. So for us, you know, Une Femme is really all about women winemakers. All of our wines are made by women winemakers and give back to charities that benefit women. Mm-hmm. Our key partners are uh, the Breast Cancer Research Fund and Dress for Success, Mm. uh, both of which are incredibly important to us and that we're really proud to give back to. And it's just been so fun to see the reception to these wines and to the brand. Mm -hmm. um, And we're just growing nonstop right now. I love that. And so you work with women-owned producers in Champaign, Napa, and Sonoma. Are, do you think that you'll expand to other regions that have you know, women-owned uh, producers? Absolutely. We have been talking a lot about um, the potential of launching a Prosecco, the potential of launching a Cava. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot happening right now in the UK in what they're calling British Fizz, which is sparkling Mm -hmm. wines from um, from the UK. Um, and we're also interested in other areas in the US, the North Fork of New York, um, and then on up the coast on the West Coast. Um, I think we will pretty much stick with sparkling wines just mm-hmm. because it's a passion of ours. And we know that um, so many of our customers love sparkling wine. And I think it's really fun to get to taste sparkling wines from different regions side by side. And it's honestly, it's like just what I love. Mm. And I love that just by default, your brand is empowerment, collaboration and giving back. And I think that's a message that that transcends no matter what vertical you work in. Why is that so important that those three things are like massive pillars? You know, for me, collaboration and support, all of these pieces are just what has gotten me to where I am in my career now. Um And one of the things that I think is so powerful about women, Mm -hmm. I think for a long time, there was this notion of like the mean girl or women being really competitive against each other. And I just really feel like that is not true anymore. Like the the women who I see succeed are the ones who are helping each other out, who are teaming up on collaborative projects, who are giving back. And that's who people want to support. Um, And I've just been incredibly lucky throughout my career to work with amazing women. And um, it's just so naturally what I what I lean towards and what I gravitate to is teaming up with women who are doing cool stuff. Um, And I will tell you, there is nothing more powerful than a group of female customers who are advocating for something that they love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you get a gaggle of women together um, talking about something and it's incredibly powerful. 
I love so, that, especially when you have all these women that come together because we're more than just one thing. I mean, I run the magazine, but I'm also a fashion stylist. Like there's all these connections. And when you start talking over sparkling wine, um, all these ideas come out and then it gets done. And then it, you don't even think about like all the, the red tape you had to go through, whatever. It's just people sitting down, talking, being vulnerable, sharing whatever and moving forward to make something bigger than themselves, which is really beautiful. It's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so, so true. So yeah, we've come about- a long way. Yeah, the, yeah, last couple I mean, years, the last couple of years, I think, have been so challenging. Uh-huh. Um, but I think through all of the muck, um, a lot of progress has been made. Yeah, we I still think have a lot of work to do, but exactly. Um, a lot, yeah, I think when you have something so horrific that continues to keep happening in various ways, you start realizing that you can't just be in your own corner anymore. You need to like do something or just to change the perspective. Um, And it has been challenging, but I have seen some really beautiful things that came out that you were just like, wow, if we all just were doing what we were doing before, we'd be annoyed about these things, but the need for doing something else wouldn't be there. So that's, that's amazing. So tell me about the hall of femme and why was that important to honor women in this way? So the hall of femme is a, kind of like an awards program that we launched in which we decided to honor 365 women, mm-hmm. a year's worth of women who have shattered glass ceilings. And um, the way that you're selected is you're nominated from somebody in your community or somebody on our team. Um, we have a section on the website where you can nominate women to be included. And every month we honor 30 women who from across the country in every possible vertical of business or philanthropy or politics um, has shattered the glass ceiling in some way. And I believe that um, you don't have to be the first woman in the world or in history to do something to shatter a glass ceiling. You can be the first woman in your family, in your neighborhood, on your block, at your college, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so for each of these women, we spotlight them on our website and across social media. And then we also send them this incredible gift, which is a crate of sparkling wine um, from Unfem. And there's a sheet of stunt glass on the top and they get a hammer and they shatter the glass. That's awesome. It's amazing. It's so incredible. It gives me goosebumps every single time I watch a woman shatter these glass ceilings. And it's always very emotional. And I've seen women do it while they're pregnant. I've seen women do it with their kids in frame. I've seen them do it with their partners, with their friends, uh, with their teams. And it's really just such an important commemorative moment to showcase all of the progress that so many women have made um, in their own worlds, in their own communities. We are called Unfem because we believe that it only takes one woman to shatter another glass ceiling. Yeah. There are <laughs> limitless glass ceilings still above us. And yeah. I think that like we should each have our own personal mission to identify what is that glass ceiling we want to shatter and go after it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I did not know about the crate. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. That just hearing you stand, I got a little like, oh, my God, just to have that moment of knowing, yes, I did do that. Like, that's. Oh, it's really nice. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. We've had a lot of people ask us if we will sell these boxes because, <laughs> I mean, what a cool thing to send to someone as a gift. Yep. So we're working on trying to figure out how to make that happen. But as of right now, it's essentially an award that yep. you can be nominated for. Um, 
And it's been an amazing experience connecting with these 365 women. And they're a big part of our community. We reach out to them regularly and collaborate with them. Um, And it's just amazing to showcase so much cool stuff that all these women have done. Wow. And with the holiday season being upon us, you know, we always love knowing about pairing. So looking at the Cali, for example, what are like three dishes or three types of snacks that people can enjoy while enjoying the Cali? Great question. Well, I think that the Cali is really great for brunch. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my favorite brunch pairings would be like a soft scrambled egg with, I mean, for me, I love it with creme fraiche and a little caviar or salmon roe, Um, (laughs) even some lox, you know, that to me is like the ultimate brunch opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, I also love, um, I love this wine with tacos always. I know that sounds kind of funny, but like... I love rosé with tacos. Oh, me too. So a breakfast taco Mm -hmm. with like a fried egg and avocado and some crema would be delicious. Um, I also think about things on the brunch side, like a lemon ricotta pancake with Mm. blueberries or something like that would be so good. But when it comes to the evening, um, especially when it's holidays, I'm always thinking... Um, like caviar and potato chips. Oh, yeah. That was our classic go-to dish at the mm-hmm. Riddler. It's the easiest thing to do for a dinner party or for a holiday party. Just get a bowl of potato chips, caviar, creme fraiche, boom. And you don't have to buy crazy expensive caviar, but um, that's a, that's always a fun one. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Some of the classic champagne pairings are always things that are fried. Um, yeah. French fries are like a number one, the mm-hmm. best pairing. I know people sometimes think that's so crazy, but trust me, next time you're out at a restaurant, get fries and a bottle of champagne or, you know, of course, a bottle of une femme. Yep. And they're like just made for each other. Um Another classic one is fried chicken. Um, My husband and I, sometimes when we are um, feeling fancy, we'll like do a staycation and stay at a beautiful, fancy hotel and order room service. And we always get chicken fingers and champagne. And let me tell you, it's like so fun and so delicious. I love that. I love a good Korean fried chicken and champagne. Those two together, it's like the best. Well, I think, you know, that was so much of what we would always talk about at the Riddler is like the high low. Exactly. Like you don't always have to do champagne with caviar. You should do it. You should be drinking it with um, the kinds of foods that you normally love anyway. I actually think that anything that you think to drink a beer with, you can yep. substitute champagne or sparkling wine. Like they have a lot of similar characteristics. They're both fizzy. They're both cold. They have great acidity um, and they're a great compliment to yeah anything that has that that need for something thirst quenching with it i totally agree a a few years ago i turned 40 and because my birthday is always during fashion week i wanted something so low-key very chill so i'm like we're gonna go bowling and then i just want chicken wings tater tots and champagne and so people like wait what and i'm like yeah yeah the best (laughs) that was the best birthday like (laughs) that sounds like a great 40th i love it i love it Yeah, that's fantastic. Right. I mean, just sometimes you just want something like you said, that high low. I I believe in high low when I style people and I love that high low concept of food. And there's just something so satisfying about these flavors coming together and normalizing that 
every day is a special occasion, especially with all the stuff we've been through. Every day is a special occasion. So, you know, absolutely. (laughs) I totally believe that's true. I think it's important to cheers to yourself um, and to your friends. And yeah, every day should be a special occasion. It's so true. On the on the high low styling, we actually talk as a team really regularly about like, you know, a great, amazing outfit. One of my favorite outfits ever is a great pair of Levi's, a great blazer, a pair of Louboutins and a red lip Mm -hmm. and a great handbag. And so that high low, I always think of like, we are the red lip to Mm -hmm. the, you know, to the outfit or to the meal. Like you should be able to do something really, really elevated as um, a final touch on an outfit or on a meal. Um, But it doesn't all need to be fancy. In fact, it's better when you've got um, the jeans and the white tee Mm -hmm. with the blazer and lubies. Yep. Because it also shows your personal style as opposed to that you just bought the mannequin. (laughs) Like, right, right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. I still see the price tags. Like, yeah. Um, Yeah. What are things people should think about when they're gifting this holiday season when it comes to wines? Like, do you have any tips? Like a lot of people have never really done that before and they get nervous or if they're bringing over, you know, a bottle as a thank you for having them over for dinner. What should they be thinking about? I think the first thing is you should go to a store that you like with a team of people who work there who are not snobs, who are nice and who you trust. Um, You should go and you should be honest about your price point. Mm -hmm. You should say, I'm looking for a bottle that's $20, $30, $50, $70, whatever your price point is. And then proactively tell them I'm looking for a woman made wine or a wine made by a BIPOC founder or an LGBTQ founder. Um, These, the people who work in wine shops love those kinds of assignments. Yep. And it also encourages them to stock their shelves with more diverse suppliers um and i think you should always think about your your guest in mind um or your your gift recipient in mind like Mm -hmm. what to you does that person represent and try to find a wine that sort of pairs with that Um, i love that we have all of our wines available on our website for direct shipping all across the country with really cool gift packs that are launching. Um, by the time this will air, they'll be live. Um, <laughs> uh, and they're super, super beautiful. They're a great gift. Um, so that's always fun if you're sending something to somebody across the country. Um, but it's also important to shop local and, and to find wines that I think really speak to your personal values. wait to sit with you again to share another great story with you at Athleisure Kitchen. Athleisure Kitchen is a part of Athleisure Studio, our multimedia podcast network, which is the division of Athleisure Media, and whose sister site is Athleisure Mag. Get the latest episode by listening, following, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, Himalaya, or your preferred podcast platform. Find out additional information by checking out the show notes. You can stay in the loop on who future guests are by visiting us at athleisurestudio.com backslash athleisurekitchen and on Instagram at Athleisure Kitchen and at Athleisure Studio. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith. Athleisure Kitchen is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself and is mixed by the team at Athleisure Studio. We'll be back with another episode, so make sure that you set an extra plate for us.